Today we're finishing this series, um, When in Rome. We've got the last couple of chapters to go through. So we're doing today 13, 14, 15, and a little of 16. So looking back from what we said every single week, two, two groups of people, Gentiles and, and Jewish people. The Jewish people have always embraced this kind of way of life. They believe Jesus is the Messiah. These guys have now come in. They've bought into it. They have a different way of looking at things. They don't have the whole history, the whole background. So they're wrestling with what bits they're going to take on, what bits they're not. Um, the Jews are trying to enforce things on them. They're saying, well, if this is how it is, I'm not going to be involved kind of thing. Paul's trying to draw the both groups together. And he's woven them both together. He's got them united in his argument. And then in chapter 12 is where he goes, this is why you need to be united. In view of God's mercy, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. And he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. And so when Paul says that, he says, do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And so when Paul lays this as the, the centerpiece, he said, this is all the issues, this is all the stuff that's going on, but this is what it's about. It's about living a life of worship. It's about living a, a life that isn't conformed to another image, but that you are transformed continually by renewing your mind, renewing the way you're thinking, renewing how you see and how you live. And so when you say, when you drop bombs like that, they're very large statements. And when you do very large and broad statements, what happens and tends to happen in church is people just go, oh great man, that's so deep man. Um, um, I'm a living sacrifice. Um, 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 I'm, being, I'm not being formed to the image of this world, transformed by the renewing of my mind. And we take these, these boom-ting lines and we just love them and we, 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 we quote them and we talk about them. But the implications that those lines have on how we live, on who we are, and what we do, are absolutely huge. So in 12, Paul drops this huge bomb in those two verses right at the beginning. He talks about love, grace, um, the Spirit of God empowering us to do these things. But then ultimately what he does is he does something very different to a lot of networks and groups that I've been involved in. What we tend to do is we talk about something as big and as huge as that, and then there's always in a network meeting, someone always goes something like, um, yeah, but what would that look like in a 21st century environment? And what they're really doing is they're not going, let's now really explore this and push on. They're saying that to close it down because no one has any ideas and everyone's scared to explore it. So it's just like a dead end. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. Let's carry on things the same. There are some guys that I roll with, mainly in Texas, which is why I can't wait to be over there with Zach, who when he says, what does that look like in a 21st century environment? He is brave enough to explore it, to talk about it, to discuss it, to come up with ideas that are outside of what the norm is. So his church, Revolution Church, has something they call Servolution, where people volunteer set times to serve in different areas within their community. So he's gone, okay, he's heard this message, living sacrifices, he's heard this like, and he's gone, how do we do this? How do we fit this in? How do we do that? This is exactly what Paul does here. So Paul goes, this is great, this is a powerful ideology, but how does that practically filter out on a big level, a macro level, on a micro level, and on an internal level. So in chapter 13, what he does is he talks about submission to authorities, um, sometime, which has a number of layers in it. I mean, when we talk about this and when we read this passage, we automatically think of like really corrupt governments. And to a degree, he's talking about the same as well, because he's talking about the Roman government. But the reason he's talking about this is because the last series we were involved in, um, looking at City Hill, was Artifacts. 
So we were looking at a priesthood, we were looking at the order of how they function, how they do things. Um, he, he was looking at like um, the way a whole society is built, a way a whole society takes its place, how they do what they do. So when he's talking about these things, he's talking about it from the context of the, the Hebrew understanding of these people, where they talk about a society which is built on the law. So in the earlier stages where Paul talks about the law, he's talked about it in a sense of like how it governs society. He's now talking here about submitting to authorities. And the reason he's talking about that is because he sees the law as something good, as an institution that looks after its people. And so with that as the focus, he says to these people, it's actually good to submit to authority because the good thing about government is whether you agree with everything about government is they are bringing order instead of anarchy, that they're bringing goodness to their, to their communities. The things that you feel fearful with your government, in the majority of cases, he's saying, you should feel fearful about. So if you're going to steal from someone and you're worried about how the authorities will treat you, you should be fearful about that. That's not right. So he's saying it's good to submit to them. He talks about taxes. He says pay taxes, pay your revenues, do these things. Because even if you were going to look at it today's, in today's world where people will go like, oh, you know what, I'm going to do my 419, I'm going to do this and that to avoid paying these taxes. Um, because ultimately, I don't agree with bombs being dropped in cinema, Syria. And I don't want my money going towards a war in Syria. I don't want my money going to this. But actually, yes, but you still need to pay because and give to the, this as a larger system because ultimately there are still doctors out there, there are still nurses out there, there are police, some of them are douches, some of them are great. There are soldiers who are saving people's lives, there are soldiers that are douches and ruining people's lives. But ultimately we give into the system because ultimately the idea behind it and, and, and the need for it is there. So Paul's talking about that, which for the, the Roman people would have been a huge thing for them because if you think about their position, they're not like the Jews that are enslaved, they're Roman citizens that have switched to believing in what is seen as a cult in their setting. And so the way that they'll be treated and seen by their community will be very different to how it was before. So what Paul is saying is like, because of that, and they treat you that way, don't get your back up and then rebel against them. He says you win them over by being good. That even though they aren't great with you, you're good with them. And then he goes on to talk about really actually kind of the Shema. Uh, about love although he focuses on the area of the law of like loving your neighbor and so first of all he talks about things on a, on a macro level looking at government society the larger picture then he brings it down to a micro level where he starts to talk about you as the individual how you love your neighbor by not being involved in doing these wrong things because these things bring damage to you to your neighbor to those around you within your environment so he puts forward the case on a macro level and then he puts it forward on a micro level as in you as the individual, how it not just affects the wider group, but the smaller group around us. And then he moves on to say at the end of chapter 13, um, he talks about he doesn't want us to be indebted to anyone um, financially. So from ver we're going to read from verse 8 down to verse 14. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your slumber, to wake up to living lives of love, basically. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as the day is in the daytime, 
not in um, drunken orgies or in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarrelling and jealousy, but to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify his desires. So the key thing that I like that he says there is he says, um, he talks about putting on the armour of light. Putting on the armour of light, that actually the best defence you can have to those who mistreat you because of your belief and your ideology is actually to wear that as your armour. That is what defends you. So sometimes when you're mistreated for what you believe and, and what you do and who you are, we have the idea that you need to do the same as they do to you back to them. Well, here he's saying, actually, the best defense you can have is you put on an armor that is light. That You see what light does is you can't see light, you see what light reveals. So the armor of light is something you put on that reveals the way, reveals the way you should treat one another by your own actions. So he's saying, let your actions defend you. Let your actions be as light, revealing to those around you how to live, how to engage, and how to be. And then he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh of gratified desires. He's like, be like Jesus, who lived his life for others, not for his own benefit and his own gain. Now, as soon as you've kind of moved from that territory, those are kind of like the whole action basis of on a larger scale, on a, on a macro scale, on a micro scale. In chapter 14, what he's going to start talking about is he's going to start talking about judging people. He's going to start talking about looking and judging. Because you see, ultimately what happens is we make split decisions in judgments about everyone. And it's just how we are. It's how we roll. It's, it's who we are. Now, within these two people groups coming together, and when this happens, when you have two really different cultures coming together in one place, straight away there's conflict. Because if you think about their festivals, so there's this Jewish Christian church that has started and is going places. Loads of Gentile people from the outside, non-Jews, mainly Romans, are coming in. They hear we're all getting together to have a, a new moon or a Sabbath feast or Passover. And they go, great, party time. Fantastic. I'm totally up for a party celebration. They invite them along. They all turn up. How they deem a party and a celebration can be completely different to how the other side deems a party and celebration. What happens when the Roman guys start rocking in with pork to a Jewish celebration? What happens? Like, do you think there's going to be like one or two people offended? No. The entire group will be offended. Not only offended, they'll be devastated. Or if they do a food and they don't even know it's in there and they've eaten it already. Oh man, could you imagine? Like, someone's getting someone's getting moved to like you can't you can't have those kind of situations going on or what happens when they've now accepted Jesus and in some of the other churches that Paul writes to the way that they start to do worship is like is like more like um, a pole dancing club than um, a, a Jewish synagogue setting and so they're like all of a sudden that puts all these clashes all these conflicts come and so when Paul talks about this obviously in other letters he addresses certain issues and goes this needs to not happen this needs to not happen this needs to not happen but in this instance, a lot of the issues and the problems between them is actually like dietary and how certain celebrations take place. And so what Paul says is here is he talks about not judging one another. He talks about um, embracing the other. So chapter 14, as for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One believes he may eat anything. And the, while the weak person only eats vegetables, let not the one who despises the one who abstains, let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? That's a great bar. 
because he's, he's making the point, actually, you guys are judging one another, but actually you need to remember that Jesus is Lord. That's what we've talked about. Jesus is Lord. So who are you to tell the other one what's going on? And that is a fantastic argument. Is it... It is before his own master that he stands or falls. He will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honour of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honour of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honour of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that we might be both, might be Lord, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So he's just done this brilliant argument going, okay, well, you're abstaining for the Lord. Fantastic. Great. You abstain for the Lord. You want to eat for the Lord? Great. You eat for the Lord. You do these things unto the Lord. These things are not things that are uh, necessarily an offense. So bang, let's just uh, recognize within this one and within that one. So in that one line of argument, he kind of creates a unity between them that removes the need and the necessity for judgment. Because so often, one of the biggest, most dangerous things that can happen within a church environment is incorrect forms of judgment. Um, I've been to a few different places where I've spoken and shared at different times on on different issues, and I've had different people come up to me to talk about different things. So I remember one time this guy came up to me, he had like tattoos and stuff, and he was like, you didn't say at the front about like tattoos and da 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 and people were saying bad things about it, and you didn't da 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 and kind of, and going for it, because he'd felt in this church service because of what he had on him he didn't belong so because they'd been kind of callous with their tongue this poor guy who was at this meeting he was there with everyone else but out of everyone else he feels singled out as though somehow he is lesser than everyone else and all the chairs around him the only difference between let's say at the worst case scenario we decide to treat that as sin let's say the worst case scenario that's where I'm going to talk from not the best case scenario where who cares, get over it, because personally I don't care. But let's take it to the worst place scenario, and we see that as wrong. The only difference between him and me is his are visibly on his arm for everyone to see. Whereas my issues, no one in that room can see. That's the only difference. But because I can visually see that, people all of a sudden feel the need to tell people. Now, in all the years that I've been involved in church, even from as a small child attending it, I am yet to meet a single human being that has come up to me and said, you know what, I had done this and this and this, and it was when so-and-so came and told me that I shouldn't do those things and I've done those things. I was like, oh, mind blown, mind blown. Let me repent and believe on the Lord and be baptized. All my life, I've never met a single person share that story with me. Not one. Ever. I've not even bumped into an individual. I haven't even bumped into an individual. And, and, and I've grown up in a Pentecostal church where all everyone does is tell stories. And I still haven't heard that story. Ever. 
ever, ever, ever. I've never bumped into someone that when someone told them about themselves because they saw there was something on their arm or they saw the way that they dressed or the type of person they were and they told them about themselves, that that was the moment where they went, oh, yeah, boom. What have I been doing with my life? I need to reevaluate eternity right here and now. Change the way that I am. I haven't found anyone. And if anyone does have a story they want to pass the hand that they can verify, I would, I would happily have it. You can even go to our church website, cityhill.org.uk, and drop a contact form in. I haven't heard of one. It's just, I, I, if, if you have, maybe you guys have. I've never seen it. But I've met people who've told me that they came to a place where they felt completely accepted, where they felt completely loved, where they felt like they could come with no filter and be accepted as they were in the knowledge that God would not leave them as they were and that they would trust him that he would do that and then they had a family of brothers and sisters all around them who were believing and trusting God for the very same thing because at the foot of the cross of Christ who will judge all of us we are all equal as sinners empowered by his grace and so Paul takes what is very contentious and removes that out of the way because you see what happens when you don't remove wrong judgment is the next thing he talks about which is about causing others to stumble with our actions I've just told you that I've never heard anyone come up to me and say when that person told me about myself oh I changed my whole life and I started living great and following Jesus and but what I can tell you is I've met people who've left church for a period because someone came up to them and saw they wore an ankle bracelet and said, you woman of the night. I could tell you stories of young people that came to church, heard what was said at the front and said, but this isn't the place for me because I am those things. I've heard people say to me, I went there and they told me that they loved me, but everything they did said the opposite. I've been to places where someone's made a mistake or done something wrong and instead of it being like a real family where you tell your mum or your dad oh I've made the worst decision ever I've made a terrible mistake and they still love you they still love you they're still there with you there are kids that go prison for heinous crimes and their parents still love them and they know they need to suffer for what they've done and what they've done is terrible they still love them But sadly, in a place and in a setting where we should be able to say the same, we often can't. And it's those reasons that cause people to stumble and to move away from the faith. And to Paul here, in this letter, as he's wrapping things up, is he's saying you need to be so careful how you judge one another. Because if you don't get that part right, you can cause someone to stumble. And that is totally not cool. And then, in chapter 15, it is all about the example that Jesus has given us. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, he repro- the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. We need to understand that when we reproach others, we're really reproaching Jesus. Because he's the one who that ends up getting shifted to on the cross. Now, to finish... And to wrap up the series. Yes! I am done with when in Rome. We end 
with exactly word for word how the letter ends because Paul does this doxology which is kind of a short song but I am not singing it because when you translate it it doesn't quite work so chapter 16 and verse 25 now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ Amen May we this week find that to be true of us May we be people who just like Paul is able to communicate in that last paragraph and reach to both audiences may we be people who are able to speak to those of different backgrounds cultures subcultures and find ways to be united around all that he has for us i'm just going to pray father god will we be people that submit um be submissive people good people may we put on the armor of light that actually we don't defend ourselves that we don't look for um bringing back to others or repaying but we allow light to defend us by doing things in the right way that that would be what speaks for us that that would be what protects us and keeps us safe may we be people filled with love may we be loving to those in our workplaces and our families and our friends that we find challenging may you shine through us may we be known as people who are not judgmental but loving and welcoming may we be people who do not conform who do not cause others to stumble um, we just pray that you would have your way this week and that you speak into our lives Lord in Jesus name Amen cool